Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's Greg Matzik. And we are live streaming the program today and every day. Check us out wherever you like to, I don't know, check out such videos. All of our streaming platforms are up and running wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us, YouTube channel. You'll see me as I continue my quest to grow hair, which is coming in. <laughs> I don't want to say nicely, but it's coming in. That's hey, for I sure. It, I think it looks very nice. Well, it's something. It is. is it Bearded itchy? Greg yeah. Matzik is nice. Uh, so in my, my wife, Emily, said you got to go with the beard. Just, just just let that run out with it. Just I'm keep going. Yeah, Santa, you back that up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a salt and pepper appeal, I guess, to the beard that Emily likes, which is all that really matters. Uh, but it's not growing on top. It is growing on the sides. I don't know if a crown would fit it, Sandy. Would a coronation <laughs> crown fit over my head? You just have to kind of turn it and Did it. you watch any of the coronation? I, I, no. I, uh, no. I will tell you that when uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury did crown King Charles III, there was some wedging. It was a little screw-top, actually. Yeah. Make, sure, make sure it's on tight. Well, you don't want that to slip off and bust the crown jewels, okay. as they say. You were, were, uh, were you up at four in the morning watching this thing? Is that when it was on? I am going to tell you that I was kind of gruff. I'm like, oh, I've been up a lot early this week, and I was like, as much as I love this, do I really want to set my alarm for 4.30 or 5 to see the whole thing? I was like, you love it? I was like, how about this? Set your alarm for 6 and, you know, at least see some of it. I woke up naturally at 4.40 a.m. on Saturday, and I was like, okay, there's a reason I'm up. And it wasn't like that heavy, crusty-eyed wake-up. It was like, okay, I'm awake. You're ready to go. Well, and the great thing about the 21st century is it was streamed, so I didn't even have to get out of bed and go to the living room. I got lazy. I didn't even brew hot tea. I was able to stream on the laptop, and because it was 4.40, I'm I'm so excited. The carriage had just turned like around the corner down Whitehall, so I knew, based on my knowledge of London, they're two blocks away from Westminster Abbey. So I haven't missed any of the coronation. So yeah, from 4.40 all the way to the second balcony wave, I was in. So I, I have several questions okay. about this entire thing. <laughs> I, I, I've seen like f- uh, stock photos from 1952 and the Queen's coronation. 53, 53 yes. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, the robes, the decor, like the everything. In 2023, it looked identical to 1953. Well, it's because it's history. They've it, been it, it crowning kings at Westminster Abbey since the 1000s. Yeah. I, the chair was from the 1300s. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know if I was watching a time lapse. Like, it just, it seemed very, it seemed very old. The anointing spoon, all of those traditional, archaic, gilded items were laid out. It was almost like a surgeon's table. Like, yes. okay, now we're going to pick this up, and here's the staff, and here's the rod, and here's the orb. It was fascinating. $125 million spent on this. And I assume some of that went to Lionel Richie and Katy Perry. Can somebody tell me why Lionel Richie and Katy Perry performed at this? I actually can, because I was confused at first as well, because they're obviously American Idol judges, and they're strongly American. You pulled off the show to go do this. But both of them have been involved with the Prince's Trust, which he set up decades ago in a lot of different community service ways to help charities and entrepreneurs and, and to really help the community. So he has done a lot of good, even though... We're all lukewarm about him, but he started the Prince's Trust back in the 80s. So Lionel Richie has been an ambassador, and I think Katy Perry is one of the first ambassadors of one of the legs of the Prince's Trust. So they do truly have a connection. It wasn't just jukebox, you know, you know, Camilla likes... I kissed a girl, you know. It's so just, let's have let's have Katy Perry. Right. Oh, Stephen's laughing. <laughs> well, it's just so for strange. All the history that's honored 
then just Katy Perry gets thrown in the mix. Right. It makes no sense. It it still sounds random, even though I know the connection to the prince. It is quite random. It just seemed a little more ripe for Elton John. Right, it just did. Like, that just seemed, is there a bitterness there? Is there something bad? That's a big misstep. Don't you remember Elton John rewrote Candle in the Wind for Princess Diana's funeral? Oh, well, yeah. Called it an English rose. I I don't think that bad blood has uh, settled there. Well, I I feel like he could come back to Milwaukee and things would be patched over from Harley Fest. (laughs) Give him a shot. But I would suggest watch some of the the highlights. It is it is pageantry, and even if you don't care about the royalty at all, totally get it. But if you are into the logistics of putting on a huge event for six weeks, the military and all sorts of people rehearsed, and watching four thousand troops organized walk through the streets of London to Buckingham Palace in complete formation and playing like the band is controlling the horse's reins with their feet so they can play tuba on the back of a horse. It was fascinating. It was, it was a spectacle to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch a ton of it. I, I sadly missed the Katy Perry con- yeah. concert. <laughs> I sadly missed uh, the horses with tuba players on <laughs> sitting out. I That's think I would have enjoyed that. when I get crowned. Yes. I want horses with tuba players. Well, with your luck, Sandy, and dedication, you're going to get that horse <laughs> and tuba player. Uh, I know Lane Grindle was up early on the West Coast about 2 a.m. watching this after Brewers and Giants. We will check in with Lane on a very bizarre weekend at Brewers Baseball out in uh, San Francisco. He joins us next. It's 416 on WTMJ. Now batting for the Brewers Radio Network, play-by-play announcer Lane Grindle. High fly ball, deep right field. Rowdy Telez has done it again. On Wisconsin's Afternoon News. And Lane was behind the mic as the Brewers snapped a, w- a losing streak in San Francisco in the final game of a three-game series on Sunday. Here's the 1-1. And Adamus, a high fly ball. Deep left field. Back. Track. Bye-bye baseball. Number 100 in the career of Willie Adamus. A, a well-rested Lane Grindle with the call. Surprisingly, Lane, uh, given you were up at 2 a.m. to watch the uh, the King Coronation uh, in England. And... Uh, it's pretty amazing work. If you get up at 2 a.m., Greg, that means you can take a nap before you go to the ballpark. So you just it's just about planning your day and budgeting your time. And uh, you know me, man. I'm into the coronation. I'm into the royals and all that kind of stuff over there. So I wouldn't miss it. Baseball and British history. Lane, you got it written all over you. I can hear the sincerity I, in your voice. <laughs> I missed every single second of it. The only coronation I saw... Were a couple of two-run home runs yesterday and cheeseheads being put oh, up. Oh, yeah, there you Morris go. And Willie Adamas. That's my kind of coronation, right? <laughs> like the That's cheesehead right. thing. That's right. I, do Absolutely. they have one in the broadcast booth for you, right? And if you get the home run call, somebody puts it on your head? So we actually have one up here. Um, it's been up here for years. Since I got the job here, there's been a cheesehead in the back of this booth. Uh, we have not actually you know, put it on anybody after a home run yet, though. Uh, we have... I, and I. I forgot it was there until you just mentioned it, but there is one sitting in the back of our booth. So, you know, if things get kind of fun and interesting, maybe we'll break that out at some point during one of these home games. You'll look good. Um, I don't think I would, but, you know, that's I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Lane has very nice hair. I don't know if I'd want to cover that with anything. Uh, it, it, Lane, uh, Craig Council is the Brewers' franchise leader in managerial wins and games managed. He's also the franchise leader in... In a heated conversation with one of the base umpires. And now, Craig Council just got thrown out talking with crew chief 
Chris Guccione, who had come over to try to break up this argument. Whatever was decided, it appears they have revoked the Bach call, and the Brewers just can't believe it. So Josh Maurer had the call of Craig Council's ejection. He is the franchise leader. I, Lane, I always wonder how you as a broadcaster try and bite your tongue when clearly the umpire crew was in the wrong, ultimately acknowledged they're in the wrong, and Craig has to take the heat and get bounced out of a game for a mistake that the umpires made. Well, I think all you needed to know in that situation was how long they allowed him to stay out there. They knew that they got it wrong. They knew it was their bad. And so they were going to let him get his money's worth after he got ejected. Um, That was a pretty bad one. It didn't have a huge impact in the way the game went. And I think it's important to, to keep that in the perspective of the entire situation. But it's still frustrating when we've had all these rule changes and something as simple as counting quite frankly, and everybody being on the same page isn't done the right way. Um, they all can't, you know, I, 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 if you go back and try to read lips and see what Chris Guccione's saying and things of that nature, I know people do that stuff. You know, part of the argument was, well, Jeremy Riggs, you know, counted one extra disengagement and, and he got it wrong. No, go look at the video. Um, David Rackley, the home plate umpire, on the first disengagement puts both fingers out behind home plate to signal that's a disengagement and it was a disengagement so there were three allowed it should have been a balk they got it wrong they got it right initially and then they got it wrong after they got together and talked about it it was just poorly handled craig was right he knew he was right and he was in the right uh to make a point out of it in my opinion it's still not good enough to feel right like he still needed to demonstrate you know and and make sure that the point was made Oh, yeah. I, the thing I was concerned about was Alex Cobb started doing warm-up you know, pitches uh, from the mound as it went along. And I was like, I hope he doesn't accidentally like hit somebody. Because there was traffic going in and out of the way of Alex Cobb as he was uh, going through his warm-up tosses. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, from our standpoint as a broadcaster, because I really didn't answer your question, Greg. I filibustered very well there. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, from our standpoint, I, I mean, I don't think that we hold back too much. I mean, I'm not going to scream and yell and go crazy, uh, but when something like that happens, we're going to point out that they got it wrong. And sometimes for all of us, it's it takes a second up in the booth to know exactly what the conversation's about, what the disagreement is. Um, but as you piece together some of the video and you go back and, and, and relive what just happened, you start to figure out, okay, this is what they're arguing about. Sometimes it's very obvious, and sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge to get to the bottom of it. But in this case, um, a few moments into it, you knew what was going on, and you knew that they had gotten it wrong. And so um, it was pretty easy to figure out that Craig Council was right, and, and he should have been allowed to, to get his money's worth like he did. Did you get your hands on a Uke Skywalker bobblehead doll yet? Yeah, I have. It's Ooh. pretty cool. Uh, lightsaber and all. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's really neat. I'm excited about that. As far as collectibles go, I mean, just even saying Uke Skywalker makes me laugh. I mean, it's perfect. Uh, we were trying to figure out my name on the road trip, and I couldn't come up with one. And, and Mike Vassallo actually said Lando Calrissian. That's Ooh, what I was going to say. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, Lando. Not even cross my mind. I mean, I think of myself as like Chewy, right? Like that's how I feel like when I wake up in the morning. So I, I was like, I don't know who I am. But then Mike Fasalo came up yeah. with Lando Calrissian. I thought that was good. I like that. Very I good. like that. No, the Brewers always do a great job with their Star Wars night. The Uke 
or is that, is that Skywalker bobblehead doll? Yeah, it's a WTMJ promotional item, right? We are behind it. We're sponsoring it. Clever, creative yes, minds Absolutely. collaborating. Lane will be on the call tonight as the Brewers are welcomed home. They take on the Dodgers at American Family Field. Appreciate it, Lane. Welcome back, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks, everybody. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. So I'm a sucker for a good documentary. Uh, and if Tom Hanks is behind it, more than likely I'll get lured into it, and it will likely be good. So this hit yet last night on CNN. The 2010s have ushered in a new era called Peak TV. TV. The like button was a market genius. It can be frustrating, this business of democracy. I am running for president of the United States. It was a moment that said, we have to tell our stories. I may be the voice of my generation, or at least a voice. That is a clip or a trailer from the 2010s documentary. This aired on CNN last night, and Tom Hanks is an executive producer behind it. But it just, it's just a snapshot of everything. Political landscape, what was going on in pop culture, top-grossing movies and media. They said the like button, which takes you right back to Facebook, <laughs> where they had a like button for everything. And now it's a complex world of emojis that we live in. Right, mm-hmm. That's more for the 2020s. Yeah. But it, it's... It, CNN has done this for different decades. So now have. we're here we are already... 2010s nipping at our heels. Yeah, right. So part of me just feels like I'm getting older, right? Uh, <laughs> but I'm always fascinated by these because I, I get asked the question, not a lot, but I've had the question asked of me, if you could have lived in any decade that you didn't live in, what dec- decade would it be? And my usual answer is the 1950s. The yeah. 50s seemed like an incredible time, right? The 60s, yeah, was a lot of war. There were some issues. The 40s, yeah, you had a Great Depression before that. Prohibition it was kind of rough in the 20s and 30s. I, the 50s, and I take all my cues from Back to the Future, <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, soda fountain shops and a place to go hang out and bebop and poodle skirts, right? Yeah, a I simpler gotten time. In that decade. A, yeah, yeah, a simpler time and uh, processed foods being introduced, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> White Color bread. television. Yeah. All that. So and, and When you actually went outside and it was like, oh, we're going to ride bikes. We're going to just play stickball. Yes. Like a very simple, like we're... We're entertained with our imagination. So the biggest things to launch in the 2010s and really Mm -hmm. take hold was Netflix. Boy, that used to just be a place where you'd go see a movie. It was like movie rental. It streamed through your television. Well, I remember when it was ship you the DVD. That was that too, right? So Mm -hmm. the the early portion of the decade was kind of a, a, a switch. It sort of turned into this like, well, wait a minute. Now there's TV series here. And now there's made-for-Netflix mm-hmm. series. So it has grown by leaps and bounds. The smartphone, like the Apple, actual Apple iPhone, things really aren't that old. I remember laughing, laughing and mocking in a conference room when the iPad was introduced, and we laughed. We're like, who needs this? this is the silliest thing. Who needs a larger phone that we're going to use? This is so silly. Well, look what yeah. we all have, basically mini iPads and smartphones, you know? iTunes was a big deal. Aww. That was a huge deal. The Big Bang Theory was the top grossing show. The Wii was introduced. That's a great decade, man. I love the, the Wii. Yeah? Yeah. Lots Wii, of good Wii. times in the basement playing the Wii. <laughs> and in I still film, play Wii Golf to this day. Wii Golf is a solid game. Yeah. It's a solid game. Right? The internet at that time in 2010 or 2009 covered about 28.9% of the world population. Now it's up to 54%. Well, I remember 2009, that's when I started managing the social media accounts for the radio station I worked for in Chicago at the time. So I feel like social media took off in the couple of years after that. So like 2010, 2011, 
more than MySpace. You know, you were on Facebook. Yes. You were Facebooking things. You were liking things on yes, Facebook. Yes, definitely poking people. Which, yes, the poke. Oh, oh the poke. goodness. We well don't done, have enough Sandy. time to get into the poke. Well done. What does that mean? Does that mean she likes me? Does that mean no one ever understood respond? the poke? Yeah. What happens next? I've been poked. You know, 2010s. one of my favorite things about the 2010s, some of the TV, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey first a big aired one. in 2010, and that was when it was weekly on Sunday nights on PBS. But there was a lot of other Sunday night programming, like on HBO. Like everybody where I worked was watching True Blood. Yes, I which remember was a that. little traumatizing for me. I'm not into the gore, but lots of people were watching it, so I would watch it so I could have something to talk about with the rest of the office. Very interesting stuff. So the 2010s premiered on Sunday. I'm sure you can find it. It's on CNN, part of their original series. CNN original series. That'll be in the 2020s. Who knows? <laughs> 446 on WTMJ. It is a great week nationally and locally. We've got the right person to talk about it. She joins us next. Well, happy National Travel and Tourism Week. We are officially on the map here for travel and tourism, not only in the country here, but the city of Milwaukee certainly getting behind the event. A full, fun week of events planned, including this morning at uh, the airport in Milwaukee. Uh, joining us in studio, Visit Milwaukee President and CEO Peggy Williams-Smith. Hello. Wonderful to have you here. Thanks for having me. I, it's getting to be that time, right? It, it's that time where people start planning out their vacations, and I, it seems like more and more there are options in the state of Wisconsin. We talk about that at length in some of our segments here on the, on the program. Uh, but this is really a great week to start organizing thoughts and recognizing that, yes, Wisconsin is a wonderful place to travel and tour, and specifically in the city of Milwaukee. Absolutely. We are super excited to launch a week of activities that just highlight all the great things that Milwaukee has to offer. Unfortunately, as you just said, the rain today, thank goodness people aren't traveling here today to see it because it's not that picture perfect you know, picture that we want, but tomorrow will be. What are some of the highlights of this week that you're excited about? Well, we started today um, focused on workforce development. We did a press conference at the airport where the county executive announced that he was going to that there was going to be a mandate that all county county employees when traveling on business travel in and out of MKE, which my team has been doing. It is one of the easiest airports to get in and out of in the entire country. And I would say in North America, I spent three long hours in an airport in Toronto trying to get through, not even customs, just trying to get through security. So I think that that's a real benefit to flying out of Milwaukee. And then we also uh, partnered with a local um, entrepreneur who has just done amazing things in the world of travel and tourism. Teresa Nemitz started uh, food, uh, Milwaukee Food and City Tours 16 years ago, and she's launched that into Great Lakes Excursions, which is doing all of the off offshore excursions on the Great Lakes for the Viking Cruise Line. Mm. So that just creates economic ripples throughout our our communities because these people all of the passengers i think she said she did over 1800 last weekend were going to different areas in the in the region you know eating out going to museums seeing a show you name it just making sure that they got to experience all the things that milwaukee had to offer there's such a dramatic scene right this giant cruise ship just porting up in milwaukee like well, where did that come from right it's just it's exactly. incredible to see it you know i follow a lot of different travel i guess entities through instagram so, and, you know, the way the reels are created or whatnot, like if I type in Italy or Amalfi Coast, like I'll get this wonderful little snapshot of a place that I would like to go visit. And it, it helps me try and dial in places that I would like to visit. I'm seeing more and more of that around the city of Milwaukee. More well, about 24 hours in Milwaukee. And it's a snapshot of all these 
you know, quick view of places that you can enjoy and sink your teeth into in this city. Well, thank you to my communications team, oh, as well as job. people who love to who love Milwaukee who do that as well. But that's the way that most people travel now. So traditional advertising and marketing isn't what it used to be. You spend a lot of time scrolling through Instagram reels or Instagram deciding where you're going to take your next trip. So if you're not there, it's like you're invisible. So our team has done a great job. Ina is our social media coordinator, and she rocks it. She really does. Are you able to trace any of this enthusiasm for Milwaukee back to the amazing Times Square billboards that were up on New Year's Eve? Are you able to track any of that, or is it just fun to feel like that momentum so we kicked are. off? We are able to track. So Ooh. not specifically. We we didn't sign with a company that's going to be able to specifically track, but we did notice downloads in Times Square during that week so we could see people who downloaded our apps. We do many different apps for visitors coming in, whether it be the beer pass, it could be um, our cheese curd pass, <laughs> which gives people discounts on things to do in Milwaukee. And we had people who did download it. And we also saw a spike in website traffic because we had the QR code that directed us directly to our website. So we did see a spike during that week as well. I know it's more of a state of Wisconsin thing, but I've seen an old-fashioned pass where people are popping around at different supper clubs around Wisconsin, just trying to get that old-fashioned, and there's a scorecard where you can rate it. That's all great for the state, whether it's Milwaukee or Madison. It doesn't matter. Like, get people in here, get them trying the restaurants, and experience in Milwaukee. It is. And, you know, partnering is something that is incredibly important because someone who's coming here doesn't just stay in one spot. They may they, they may fly into Milwaukee and then want to go experience the outdoors somewhere else. So we partner a lot with Travel Wisconsin. Where they are will be because then we get to showcase Milwaukee on top of what they're saying about Wisconsin. Peggy Williams-Smith joins us here in the studio, Visit Milwaukee President and CEO. Uh, I, I'm always curious how this originates, but there was a recent article in Ebony Magazine saying we spent 48 hours in Milwaukee, here's what we did. I've seen Travel and Leisure with their you know, hidden gems of the Midwest, and Milwaukee is sometimes in, in things like that. How does that happen? Is that organic? Does that come up out of nowhere? And do you do your best to, to augment those stories and, and showcase, like, here's what other people are saying about us. It's not just us pumping our own muscles. Well, we, we have a communications team who does get to know the travel writers and pitches them. And then we bring people in so they get to experience the best that Milwaukee has to offer. And that's where those stories get written. You know, National Geographic's best of 2023, one of only three locations in the United States. Milwaukee was one of those. That was a writer who came in who was going to be writing a book on the Midwest and Milwaukee was one of the locations and it was during the pandemic, the summer of 2021, not a lot open, but Claire, our director of communications was able to really show him everything that was happening, all of the new things on the horizon for Milwaukee. And I want to say he called her at the beginning of 22 and he's like, I think you might get on this list, but you can't say a word. Hmm. So she didn't tell me because she knew if she told me, I'd be on a radio show and, <laughs> and, and say it. So I'm not going to tell you what I just found out today. But Oh, no, what do can it. We, you, what can we look for? Hey, Come on. You can't, can't say it. I can't say it. I had to sign an NDA. But there's some big news coming for Milwaukee. We are, certainly, we are certainly on the map. And National Travel and Tourism Week is a way for us to just showcase all of the great things that tourism does for our community. Tomorrow, we're going to thank over 200 volunteers. As you know, when we have a large convention or even when we have visitors they want to talk to someone about what they can do and we have 200 people and i think over a dozen who've been with us 25 years or more 
who are going to be celebrated tomorrow at Motor at the Harley Davidson um, Museum, where we can say thank you for being on that front line and showcasing all that Milwaukee has to offer. We can get you out of the NDA. <laughs> I'm sure that there's somebody listening right now who is a lawyer who can help us out. I promise you that. Baby. My lawyer would tell me no. Okay. Well, <laughs> we are thrilled that you have exciting news to share. Yes. And of course, go to visitmilwaukee.com. Visitmilwaukee.org. Or, .org. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got that right. But visitmilwaukee.org mm-hmm. to see all the Travel and Tourism Week activities and make plans to make the most of the city because you don't have to be from out of town to discover and rediscover what we have here. Residents are our best salespeople. Yeah. That's the, you know, and I think that's where we've turned the corner. For the longest time, you would always hear we're, we're the Midwest's best kept secret. We're a secret. We're a secret. And now we have our residents, as evidenced by what you're seeing on Instagram, in order for that to come up, we have to have tons of ambassadors out there showcasing all the great things that happen here. I mean, I don't know Nate Vomhoff, who's whose real job has nothing to do with photography, takes the best photos of Milwaukee that make you want to not just visit here, but live here. So we're lucky to have just a cadre of ambassadors. Very cool. Nate's drone footage is mind-blowing. It's incredible stuff. It really does showcase the city in a brilliant way. When you can break the news, we are here for you. Okay, I will remember that. I'll tell you that that much. Peggy (laughs) Williams-Smith joining us, Visit Milwaukee President and CEO. Uh, Happy National Travel and Tourism Week, Peggy. Thank you for coming in. Thank you.